Welcome to the premiere episode of Guillermo Mash's The Triumph of Joy, where we showcase people's appreciation and perception of joy and how often euphoria springs forth in surprising ways. Visit us at thetriumphofjoy.wordpress.blog and what you're going to hear over the next 50 or so minutes was previously aired on KZFR 90.1 FM out of Chico, California in July of 2020. Next up is humanist and youth counselor Greg Shaper leading us into a singing telegram by the Bidwells to celebrate Sybil's 91st birthday at a backyard gathering in celebration of her day of joy. This weekend was my girlfriend's birthday. It was her, her birthday this weekend, and our friend had this wonderful idea to hire the Bidwells. So I didn't know anything about it. So we were at her house, and they came, and, and they set up their equipment just a little bit outside your door at, like, a safe distance. And they sang some songs to my girlfriend for her birthday, and it was so unexpected and delightful and pleasant. And I could tell that they that they really enjoyed it. I was just so amazed that, like, they, they saw this opportunity in the quarantine to do this this project. Hi, Ben. I'm Samantha. This is Samantha. We came out here to celebrate your birthday with you. Oh, my goodness. They are here to serenade you. Well, for goodness sakes. Just invited. Thank you. How do you celebrate a 91 year birthday? 91 years. Congratulations. Congratulations. We're honored to be here. Well, I'm kind of glad, too. Oh, what a night. You know I didn't
just to clarify, Sybil is not Greg's girlfriend. I wasn't on location for that one. Anyway, blessings to all the birthday girls. As a junkie for live music, the Bidwell singing telegram was a joyous experience, particularly seeing Sybil's contentment and glee for her 91st birthday singing telegram by the Bidwells. Well done, guys. Next up is humanist and youth counselor Greg Schaefer responding to my prompt question of his takeaway from Asia's interview that ends our show. Enjoy. One of the things I was thinking about in your interview was just how (laughs) joy is this. It's like the harder you work to get it, the harder it is to find. You know, it kind of has to be you kind of have to stumble upon it and like accidentally find yourself experiencing it rather than you know, if you work, I'm going to feel really joyful. I'm going to work really hard. And yeah, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. you know, I'm going to make this happen. It doesn't, it's not really how it works. You know, it kind of has to be a gift or sort of serendipitous to stumble into. So I don't know. I, I feel like it can be, it can be kind of a frustrating thing, but I feel I think there's a quote about this. I don't know who said this, but Gerard Manley Hopkins or someone said, it's like, if you try and catch, the butterfly of joy with like a too strong of a hand or too forceful of a net, then you'll kill it with the stroke that you try and catch it with. I feel like that's sort of what <laughs> happiness or kind of a persistent abiding happiness is sort of like, you know, if you struggle too hard to get it, you'll end up smashing it. You know, it has to be a very gentle process. I don't think we focus enough on joy, Greg. I just don't think we do. We, we, as uh, maybe it's because of how we're wired or whatever, but we, we tend to focus on, on negative things. And I, I'd like to get the community talking more about those, those instances of joy and the surrounding areas of happiness. Um, what would you add to that? You know, I work in mental health and I work with a lot of people who want to feel happier and want to feel more joy and experience that more. And, you know, this paradox of trying to not try to get to them. One thing I think about it is that, you know, we are all kind of living in like a diamond mine, you know, but it's with the lights off or we can't see, you know, we're surrounded by all of these experiences all the time that have the potential for great pleasure and enjoyment, but you don't know how to see them or it's too dark. And so you don't know, you know, and we end up, I think we end up missing a lot of opportunities for real life because we're not looking properly. I think that, yeah, if we're talking and thinking more about joy, it's all there. It's all available all the time. You know, it's free. It's very free. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. cost a lot to feel joyful, to experience these moments. And But you do have to be prepared. It's like <laughs> a big theme for me during the quarantine has been this this weird way of being passive actively or like waiting with patience, you know. I feel like there's these opportunities that come up to experience joy in life, but you can't do anything to make them come faster. Like there's nothing you can, you can't get out there to like make it happen necessarily. They have to sort of come up serendipitously, but also if you're not prepared, if you're not being aware, if you're not being patient and and attentive, then you'll miss the opportunities too. And there's always more. So you end up being in this place where it's like, I have to be kind of vigilant and on the lookout and watchful for these opportunities to come up. I can't really make them happen, but I also have to be ready to to experience them and prepare myself for them so that I don't miss it. You know, it's really easy to miss miss these opportunities to have life. 
you know, a person sees just as much beauty as they want to see and not a grain yeah. of sand more. You know, as an example, I can remember I was really engaged with amusement parks. I had this whole thing when my kids were growing up. We'd go to amusement parks, and I was always astounded at the one or two people when you get on the online forums that were coming up with some way to explain how terrible it was at the amusement park because of one little thing that <laughs> yeah. happened. I'm like, man, if you can't have fun in an amusement park, dude, you're not in my tribe. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely like an internal decision you make. Yeah, to yeah. Be like You see what you look for, you know, if you're looking exactly. For it, you'll find it. One thing that I've been doing a lot lately during the quarantine, it's almost like childish how simple it is or how much I've been enjoying it, but I've been focusing a lot on the colors of things. And I've been really trying to look at look look at an object and think, you know, what color is this really? You know, like I had a plum yesterday for lunch. And I like to do this with food because it makes me eat it more slowly and enjoy it more. But I was just looking at it in my hand. I was like, what color is it? And you think, oh, it's a plum. It's purple. You know, plums are purple. But but if I, like when I stopped and I was like, no, 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 let's like look more deeply. And, you know, there was purple, but there's also pinks and like yellows. There are these spots of, of white and yellow. There's kind of this dusty film on it as well. And you know, there are all these different colors going on and, and it just became a much more vibrant experience. And then when you bite into it, like the flesh was this very vibrant, deep purple color and kind of glistening in the sun. And, you know, those colors and textures, I'm trying to train myself to enjoy them more and see them more. But I found that like, I get a lot of pleasure out of that <laughs> just from very free, simple things that are available all the time. I mean, that's just kind of basic mindfulness i guess but yeah being present right mm -hmm. yeah just like you kind of have to work for it a little bit to teach yourself how to see those sorts of things yeah speaking of someone that was working for it and hitting a home run is a story i'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase for our listeners is uh, how i met greg schaefer <laughs> i think most of our listeners are probably aware of the campfire in november of 2018 and mid-November, uh, mid maybe a week, more than 10 days after the fire, I was down doing some outreach in the in Tent City. And with Lisa Carrier from Crisis Care, I'd see in triage. And we literally spoke with a woman who just was astounding to me, Greg, astounding. She, she was probably a year or two older than me, early 60s. Um, she had all her stuff in her car, kind of a broken down car. And she had a little doggy with her in, in their passenger seat. She was all alone, and she kind of explained in, in, a, in a very even tone, you know, how, how her experience had brought her to the tent city and how she had nowhere to go. And we asked her what she needed, and she says, I really need to connect with Butte County Behavioral Health. She says, uh, and I said, well, ma'am, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. She was doing it, Greg. She, she just had this ability to kind of, I'm saying self-medicate because, you know, just, just to know she needs to be happy. Otherwise, her bad situation is going to go even worse. Yeah. So I went back to the central area and you showed up and I'd never <laughs> met you before. I'd never heard your name before. And you were just basically like, OK, I'm Greg Schaefer. I'm with Butte County Behavioral Health. How can I help? <laughs> and literally the whole thing's astounding to me how the story plays out, because we had spoken with this woman not 20 minutes earlier. So yeah. I had said to you, you know, explain the whole thing. And you're like, let's go. 
let's go. And you were like, you were like, you were, you were ready to go. And I, I did take notice of that. I'm like, this guy's different than, than some folks I've met. He's really engaged and he's really wanting to help people. Oh. And he's, he's got a, he's got a spring in his step. I, I'll never forget going over to the car. The woman still remembered me. And I kind of did this little warm handoff. She turned her head to look at you and she says, Oh, you like talking to crazy people. <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live, Greg Schaefer. She was a really sweet lady. Yeah, she and, was, um, yeah. It's funny in mental health because, like, I just talked to her for a while, you know. There wasn't anything magical that I had to say or something. I think sometimes we, like, we think mental health providers have these magic wands that can touch us and make us happy. <laughs> and, like, they have some sort of secret spell they can do to take away our suffering, you know, and, and I don't have that. I mean, maybe people with more training than I do or better therapists or something, but, but, you know, and, you know, you connect people with services and you try and get them, you know, attached to long-term relationships and communities that matter. But I really like talking to her, <laughs> you know, I that too. was an opportunity that came up and it was like, there's not much I can do for this woman right now, you know, in a, in a 15 minute yeah. Mm-hmm. Interaction and like she's lost everything. She's lost her livelihood, you know. What it's it's humbling to even think like, wow, I'm being brought into this person's life for a brief time. One of the things that I think brings me <laughs> I don't know if I can say it brings me joy, but it, it helps me cope <laughs> with yeah. very upsetting situations is is having a real humility and freedom in understanding how little I can do. And just how how small I am. If I had gone into that moment, like expecting, okay, I'm going to fix this lady up. I'm going to get her <laughs> set up, right. you know, and really make a change in her life for, for the moment. You know, you set up all these expectations of how things should go. And then when they don't go that way, you feel frustration and disappointment. I feel that way a lot in my work is because I have these expectations that I've set up. But I think what I liked about those moments is it was so clear to everybody, it's like, there's nothing I can do right now, really. But in, a, in, a, in another way, the thing that you needed to do, that I needed to do, was just have a real human connection with this person. And I mean, I never spoke with her again. I hope that she's doing well. On the one hand, it feels like it was a drop in the bucket against the tidal wave of misery that she yeah, was experiencing. Yeah, yeah. But that conversation you know, I remember it very clearly. And I remember talking with her. I hope that she remembers, but, but you also remember it. Those things that you think are so meaningless that don't actually quote unquote change anything. They, they affect the world in ways you can't perceive them. You know, like they kind of ripple out. If you're just open to accepting, like, this is the moment I'm in. What is the thing I need to do right now? What's the opportunity that I'm being invited into. And, and Bill Mash invited me to a conversation with this woman who wanted to talk with me. And if you can say, yeah, yes, I affirm this. I'm, I want to be a part of what's happening right now and mm-hmm. without having expectations or control about how it's going to go. Isn't she lovely? Life and love are the same. Life is Asia. <laughs> the meaning of her. and I am a journalist, a storyteller, a community theater actress, 
<laughs> and I don't know, lots of other things, I guess. I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, and hopefully I'm someone who brings you joy. Thank you for being part of the series, Asia. I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of this? Yeah, who wouldn't want to have joy or talk about joy? Yeah. With everything that's been going on, it just seems like, you know, we need more joy in our lives. Now, I thought a good place to start is the different performance arts that you do. Oh, sure. I mean, in a way, uh, there's no better efficacy to see joy than going to a play. At you know, least if it's a good play. If it's maybe, a good like, play. Even, even with, uh, you know, dramas, <laughs> really intense dramas, I think that that, I mean, maybe that's my perspective as, a, as an actress. I can still see that manifestation of joy in the way that the actors and mm -hmm. performers are, even if they're doing a really intense, mm -hmm. depressing, <laughs> you know, kind of play and subject matter. So, yeah, absolutely. The mm -hmm. arts, the arts and joy are, what is the word, inextricably linked? Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you pass that um, joy along to the audiences, you know. And, you know, sometimes I've been to bad plays. And actually, if the play is bad enough, you, you start to kind of like, like it it's like my god this thing. i went to one play that was so terrible well don't tell me if it's been one i've been in, no please. no no this was in uh roseville california it, um. it was it was quite fascinating <laughs> but maybe explain to the listeners you know the moments of joy you get while you're on stage oh. and how you prepare for what you do wow so i love this question because i've thought about it so much myself right like why do I love doing this? Why do I love pretending to be someone I'm not in front of a room full of mostly strangers doing something kind of terrifying? You know, you've memorized all these lines or all these lyrics yeah. and everyone's watching you, you Everyone. know? Yeah, why? Why would I want to do that? Like, <laughs> and um, I've thought about it and a weird part of it is, you know, I started singing, taking lessons when I was nine years old, and my parents got me into it because they noticed that I loved singing, um, you know, to, to, to CDs and things like that um, when I was growing up, and performing naturally became part of that. Uh, you know, I had to do recitals, and I remember being so nervous that I was, like, shaking and feeling like I was going to throw up, like, for the first several um, <laughs> uh, recitals that I did, and it's just, like... You know, so take going all the way back to that, and here I am now, you know, I've done several local productions through different theater companies, plays as well as musicals, mostly mm -hmm. musicals. I've been part of choir at Chico State, and I think one of the things that I love so much about it is that it brings other people joy and me joy as well. It's something positive, and it's a shared human experience you never know what someone is going to take from your performance and i feel so grateful when people choose to share that with me so i was thinking about this example i i was cast as alice murphy in bright star theater on the ridge uh this november incredible show incredible role so grateful i got to do that show with so many talented people you know behind the production as well as on stage and this woman after the show came up to me and she said you just told my story. And she cried and she hugged me. Aww. And um, I was crying and I was hugging her. Even though she was speaking to me about past trauma, the core of that moment was joy for me because she felt seen and recognized and she felt like her story was told with justice. And she was not expecting mm -hmm. that. And I was not expecting that. And so here I am getting to do something that I love in front of people and share that with people. I make that connection. I put that energy out into the world. That's just beautiful to me. So it's it's personally an act of joy, but it's also joy that I see in others that 
continues to bring me joy too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm doing research for the project Asia and looking at some people I wanted to line up for interviews. You know, stand-up comics come immediately to mind, right? I mean, they're out there to get that 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 one time or multiple times where the whole room is laughing. But I did some research on a Hidden Brain episode, and they talked a, a lot about laughter in general, and everyone mm-hmm. thinks it's associated with humor. And in, in essence, it's, it's, humor is a subset of it. It's social. Mm. Laughter is totally social, especially if, if you're connecting with something in a, in a way that you have no control over it. You know how sometimes oh, yeah. you may laugh and you might go, <laughs> but then there's the time when you're just, like that time, you're just laughing, right? <laughs> It just brings out something. So joy isn't so much, you know, being, you know, happy. It's just, you know, maybe coming over a crescendo or, you know, like in your your shoes, you know, having someone that's walked in the same shoes and it makes them know that they're not alone. And they're kind of working through stuff through your play. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree with the, the about laughter, too. I mean, I love being part of productions that are supposed to make people laugh, right? We always talk about it backstage about, ooh. What kind of audience are we going to get tonight? Because we're always <laughs> hoping that we're going to connect with them and make them right, laugh yeah, yeah. and maybe forget about what's going on outside the theater for a little bit. And then, of course, there's there's theater that is supposed to make you think about what's going on and right. make you introspective. So I'm not saying that that's the only kind of theater that's valuable, of course. You know, and that's one of the things that I think has been so hard for everyone post-pandemic and everything is, is we finding not just ways to escape, but for just a, a moment, right? But but to connect with others while we're escaping, if that makes sense. No, it does. And I know there's been so many creative ways that people have found to do that. I think it's so wonderful that people who are performing online and finding ways to 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 connect with people still through a screen, but it's it's just different and i i haven't tried i haven't tried right to perform through a screen yet i've been invited to some groups where people are sharing songs and they're uploading videos or they're singing or they're performing mm-hmm. and i have the luxury to choose not to to try right because i i don't do this as my full-time job kudos to them for trying and doing that virtually because for me it's, and i think for a lot of us it's so valuable performing in a space with people you know um right. and having that interaction like laughter all those hearts in the room with yeah all that magnetism right yeah there's just yeah. an energy about it i mean we the talk frequency. about yeah there's just an energy every audience has an energy every night has an energy because you're working with a cast and that brings me joy too it's just not not just the connection that i make with the audience but it's the connection i make with my castmates who again come from all different backgrounds and uh walks of life and you know, have different things going on in community theater, especially because it's like we're vo- we're volunteering. Like <laughs> we come from all over the place. I'm sure I'm not saying that it's not diverse in other situations, but <laughs> right. you know, in community theater, I, I can I've seen that diversity in uh, backgrounds and where people are coming from, and you know, being able to connect in the moment and experience that elation of a, a job well done and a, a connection we made on stage and a connection we made with the audience that's mm-hmm. beautiful and that's joy to me too when i look on your facebook page or for just just from afar and close seeing you for the last five or six years since we've known one another you identify really strongly on your on facebook as a storyteller you know yeah. tell us how telling stories and the different mediums that you tell stories in and, and how that gives you joy and other people joy 
Yeah, well, that's a great question. You know, as a journalist and a writer, obviously I tell stories, um, nonfiction, true stories. When I was a kid growing up, <laughs> I loved telling. I loved telling stories that were, you know, fictional, like writing little vignettes or, um, you know, poetry based on things I hadn't experienced. And yeah, as a storyteller on stage too, right? I just recently realized like all the things I do in my life involve storytelling. And that's what happens when you're on stage. You know, you really invest in this story. It becomes your truth and you share that with others. The way it ties into joy to me is, and that's complicated as someone who is a journalist because we are telling these stories that are incredibly personal come from a place of of a lot of trauma a lot of the time and people who've been through things that you would never imagine and they trust us with that so there's a lot of heartache that comes with it personally because mm. you just you you feel for those people or you try to right and you want to honor their story but i believe that there's joy in that process too because when we are able to connect with those people later and they tell us thank you so much for sharing my story or because of your story, this happened. That's incredible. I mean, that's joy to me. And there is joy. It sounds messed up. I hope it doesn't come off as messed up, but there is joy in being able to be that person who gets to share that story. There's a lot of anxiety <laughs> for me personally because mm -hmm. I care very, very much about any job that I do. And number one, obviously, is being truthful and accurate, but it's also being accurate to that person's story as well and and their opinions and thoughts that are quoted and things like that. And so there's a lot of anxiety and stress and there's a lot of second guessing, oh, did I, you know, organize this right or do this right? But at the end of the day, there is joy and passion in what you do as a storyteller because, you know, if if it, if, if that story helps one person or even even if it just means that they're more informed and they feel more empowered to make a decision right. there's joy in that i think it's a challenge for a lot of journalists to to find that joy <laughs> because we're on to or the to next thing yeah. we're on to the next thing you know so uh, i think it's so important for people who are storytellers especially any type of storyteller you know blogger or you know someone who shares stories in their line of work or communications or whatever you do to find to find ways to take a breather and find that joy in what you do because that's why we got into it in the first place, right? At least hopefully. Hopefully that's why you're hopefully. doing what you're doing. So yeah, I really talked a lot about the journalism aspect of it, but it relates to stage too. It's that mm -hmm. whole thing about connecting with other people and in unexpected ways and people who you don't know and you don't ever know what their name is at least in theater, obviously you know the names of your sources, right, right, but right. you know, you might end up connecting with a lot of readers you don't meet um, or haven't met yet too. So mm -hmm. it's all connected and um, it sounds so, what is the word, trite to say, oh, you can find joy even in all the trauma and all these horrible things that are happening to other people. So I don't wanna make it sound like that, but I think that when you can know that you've made an impact and had that connection with someone, there is a joy there. And there's no reason to be a storyteller if you're not going to connect with anybody, right? Yeah. And it's kind of fascinating. You know, about the plays. You know, I, I went to a couple of rehearsals at the Blue Room. Watch the Blue Room. No joy that they're moving, but, yeah. but anyway, I got off track. But uh, you know, when you do the dress rehearsal, you're connecting with the with the crew, and you're connecting with the the actors, and, and that would nearly go nowhere as well as it did. Is everyone going? We're not going to ever do this play in front of anyone, so you know, <laughs> how's how's this going to look? Yeah. Everyone's anticipating, you know, getting that opportunity to be in front of people and sharing their story. 
Yeah, and it's so weird too because like a lot of people think, oh, you're an actor, like you you must be self-centered or I don't know if that's still a stereotype, but you know, growing up I always thought, oh, those people, they want attention, right? And then I became an actress myself and a, mm -hmm. and a performer. And it's like, I don't even think about that part of it. Like, I get more nervous if I know I'm being myself on stage. Like, I don't know how musicians do it because <laughs> they have to be themselves up there. That's terrifying to me. Um, but when I, I, get I hadn't to... thought of that anymore. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but when I get to be someone else or, or take on someone else's story, I don't know, it almost like helps me because of course I can connect to it in my own ways. But, you know, we have almost like this medium we're connecting, you know, the audience member and I are connecting through this fictional space mm -hmm. that feels safer to me. So that's why I'm like, kudos to all those musicians who get up there and they're being themselves and, right. you know, connecting, you know, as yourself uh, with others. Although I guess I do that as a journalist, too. I mean, not that I share a lot about myself because, you know, we we want to come from a space of open-mindedness and right. hearing what other people have to say but you you do have to connect i guess as yourself with other people in most lines of work so i just always thought about that how interesting it is that it's like this fictional space that you're connecting over right yeah so how are you compensating or perhaps coping or combination thereof of having that vehicle for you <laughs> severed you know oh gosh yeah um wow. well <laughs> Don't know if I should say this because I don't anticipate performing. I've been learning how to play ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> you got Kenny to lean on a little bit. <laughs> so, um, Kenny Smith, ukulele. Yeah. So, and I wrote my first song the other day. It was horrible, but yeah. it was great. Uh -huh. <laughs> Do I have aspirations to perform or upload a video? Oh, I'm not thinking about that. It's just, it's been so cool because I can go and find like the the tabs for songs that I do like and learn how to play them and just really sing. And it feels a little bit different than me just singing along in my car right, and right, music. Right. Is um, it your first instrument you've learned? You yes, learned? I yeah. actually never learned how to read music. I professionally trained as a vocal uh -huh. uh, vocalist, but never learned how to, to read or play. <laughs> so now you're presenting in a different frequency. <laughs> yes, I mean, and I hope it's the first of several. I hope I get to the point where I'm trying mm -hmm. different ones, but that's definitely been helping with my um, my sanity uh, <laughs> when yeah, it comes to connecting. Yeah, you had like a connecting. twinkle in your eye talking about it. It was almost like you were remembering different things that you were doing with the ukulele. I think I'm also just really proud of myself yeah, for yeah, finally doing it. Like, there you go. <laughs> there were so many years I was like, oh, I'm going to do this, but I just never got around to doing it. And yeah, so that's really helped a lot. And then, you know, times where I'm really sad, like I just posted something online the other day that was like, theater family, I miss you. I miss creating beautiful yeah. things with you. Yeah. And I know it's not the same as getting to see them and hug them in person, but trying to tell, remind myself that, yeah, I can reach out even if it's digitally and I can reach out to those directors and, you know, castmates. It's a big deal. And yeah. I, ask them how they're doing or tell them, hey, I miss, I miss the hell out of you right now. Yeah. I can't wait till we all get to be together again when it is safe. And I keep trying to remind myself too, that the arts will never be defeated. That bumper stickers, I like, right. that. I like that. You know, or that that people always find ways to create. Always. Always find ways to create and share those creations with other people. And I feel like it's really easy for me to say that, right? Because it's not like I'm 
you know, a director who's invested or producer or someone who's like, involved. Yeah, or Money. someone who has invested their whole life into something. Right. Um, you know, I've just been lucky to be invited, right, to be mm -hmm. a performer. So I know it's, it, I feel like it's easy for me to say that, but I just keep thinking about all these people here, all these talented, dedicated, passionate people. And I have faith in them and I want to support them in any way I can and know that we're going to get through this. When we can, we will be performing for people again. It might not be in the same room or the same theater or with the same people, but we're going to do it. And so I just, I try to give myself that pep talk, <laughs> you know, and I get down about it because it's hard, you know, you, for so many people, whether it's theater or something else, everyone yeah. has something like that, that they can think An about outlet. Yeah. and feel about right now that they're missing everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone has a, a sense of loss. And a sense of gain, you know, I've got some interviews I've scheduled with some couples that have, you know, said, hey, some people are saying they're struggling during the pandemic, but this has been a beautiful time for me, you know, so everyone's story is different, yeah. you know, which is kind of beautiful. But right, a good segue to kind of help you compensate or cope as a storyteller, why don't you ask me a few questions about the project, because this will be the first thing we air. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. So I want to know. What do you want to know? I want to know. <laughs> Why? Why? How? I guess how? How did you come up with this concept? And that's it. I, I tend to do this when I interview people. I'll ask like three questions in one. So I'm going to stop myself there and I will get to the next question. So how did you come <laughs> up with this idea? You know, it's been something that's been floating around in, in the, my brain for probably four or five years. And I think a lot of it had to do with what you had talked about, just the intense intensity of covering different types of stories. Like I did a, a show, like an arts lowdown, but it was a, a arts and news. And I, I did the show KZFR and there was three murders. Tyler Rush, David Phillips, the son, Desmond, and then the homeless woman, Audrey, that was killed in the in the motel. And, and for Rushing and, uh, and uh, Desmond Phillips, that was some really intense stories. We covered that, the Chico Soul and me, for months and months and months. And I just really did have a sense of a lack of joy in my life. And I don't think it just had to do with the reporting aspect of it. But to kind of fast forward, you know, the notes I had from four years ago and even notes I just dug up doing going back to research this from two and a half years ago, probably the, the absolute impetus was actually a, a CNR letter I wrote. Council member Morgan had made a comment that people are out there helping homeless people because it gives them a feel-good feeling. And that it, it offended me. Because that, that's that's far from the truth. Am I saying a lot of people don't get that all the time? Well, maybe. But in my case, and knowing that I've been out there a lot over the last eight years, I really felt a responsibility to rebuke that. So I just kind of, short story, I just kind of said, hey, I've suffered mild, moderate depression throughout my life, and I don't get great joy going out and doing this, providing a face and a voice to homelessness while tangibly helping them. But God bless Linda Fur. So Linda Fur, like six months, it was like a pretty good period of time. So this letter was maybe a couple of years ago. Linda Fur and I are going down to Chico Friends on the Streets. She's a neighbor of mine. She says, I have a question for you, Bill. I said, what? She says, I saw that letter you wrote some months ago. I said, yeah, I have a question. She's, I said, what is it? She says, why do you keep going down here to, to feed the homeless and doing what you're doing if it's not bringing you joy? You know, so at first I answered the question, almost like the interviewee, and she was kind of cute. She said, I really feel um, offended that I asked now. You make me feel bad. I said, oh, don't make you, you know, anyway, we had this kind of like <laughs> awkward moment. I'm just answering your question. But it didn't take me long to kind of think about what she said and think about what I thought about over the years. And I'm like, she's 100% right. 
And what really pushed me towards, you know, taking the sabbatical, and I've been calling this, this nursing my beer of July to figure out what I want to do with this project, we need to bring more joy into all the spaces, the activism spaces, people that are struggling, people that are, aren't struggling. I, I think we need to bring joy to the forefront and let people know that, you know, spontaneous euphoria is, is, is there. And it's something that's incredibly healthy. It's incredibly healthy to your psych, to your mental health, your physical health, and to the people around you. So when the pandemic hit, it was a lot different. You and I have talked a little bit offline about the campfire and the, I, and the kind of the whole depression thing I was dealing with from that and the whole community. And I felt this kind of a storyteller, Asia. I'm like, everybody in the world is covering the campfire. You got people coming from a, you know, Asia. Yeah. But I, I didn't feel like, I, one, I was mentally ready. And two, I'm like, everyone's covering this story. But when the pandemic hit, it was almost the opposite. It was a complete contrast. I'm like, my God, the CNR just closed. Oh, my God, the Orion's not publishing anymore. Oh, my God, nobody's out there covering the story. And I really felt the responsibility. Plus, I did get a lot of happiness and joy around covering a story that I'll, I'll never be able to cover again. You know, houseless people camping and, and not being harassed by police and mutual aid groups coming and feeding them every day and, you know, talking with the vice mayor and the mayor and the the, the city manager and it was a really good way to kind of transition to this new project. So I told this KZFR I was going to come back and do Without a Roof during the pandemic for some time. And I ended up doing it April, May, and June. And I decided to end the last Wednesday in June because that's the last Wednesday I was still in my 50s. Wow. So I'm celebrating my 60th. This, oh, my this gosh. Summer. And taking some time off. Okay, but, what's um, your secret? I want to look this good when I get into my people 60s. People say I look a lot younger <laughs> than I am. I don't know. I sleep well. I eat well. I mean, that's really kind of like a, a, a really good question in that I connect with people. I enjoy connecting with people. I enjoy bringing people joy. And probably the best compliments I get, and I get them pretty frequently, is you inspire people. That it's a fun story. My, my daughter still remembers it. It's 10, 15 years ago. I went through Starbucks. She likes to get this malted mocha drink. My daughter was like 14, <laughs> whatever, 15. So we get to Starbucks, and I could just tell by the voice of the lady that she was troubled, mm. you, know, you know, whatever her tone was. So I started making some lighthearted you know, comments and just, how are you doing? So my daughter, so now you get that little time you got to pull forward. She starts laughing. She says, Dad, why are you talking to her like that? You know, she's laughing. I said, what, what, what are you thinking? I said, because I think she really needs a, a little bit of a pick-me-up, honey. And then we got to the window and, you know, we, we, we spoke a little bit more. And, and by the time she shut the window, she was, she was joyful. She was laughing a little bit. And I said, see what I mean, honey? I mean, you can make, you can make an impact immediately on somebody if you can kind of recognize where they're at and what they need and your ability to kind of just connect with them. So maybe that's my secret sauce. But I, it's been struggling for me. I think it's struggling for everyone. That's the other thing, Asia, that's so overwhelming in a way. It's just kind of like even the campfire, you could kind of go, well, the further you got away from the fire, the less people were affected from it. I guess that's a simple way to say it. But you can't go north, south, east, or west and find anyone now that's not affected by this. It, it's, it's the only time in my generation and many generations that you've got one thing that's affecting the entire freaking world. Well, even with, yeah, and even with the campfire, it's, we still have people who are living in RVs. Like, yeah. I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's wonderful the people who have been able to start over, mm-hmm. of course, even, you, you know, but I get what you're saying. It's just like, and then here, you know, in Butte County, 
as someone who ex experiences that trauma like you're talking about. I mean, that is secondary trauma that you've experienced and it's compounded over and over again with the over spillaway crisis we all the fires even before the campfire and now covid um secondary trauma is a real thing you know um even the trauma people got when there was like little fires breaking out yeah it didn't blow up blossom into big fires but it, you know it's an easy yeah. thing to say all, all big fires start small you know? yeah and, so and people were just traumatized seeing smoke in the air well i love this idea for your project too because and i feel like I'm, i'll work this into a question somehow but i love this idea where you were coming from because obviously covering a lot of the same things you know and, and being a journalist in this community man i've had those same moments where i'm just I feel like I'm in the bottom of a pit, right? Um, that there's so many problems in our world. And what am I doing? You know, how am I making mm -hmm. any difference, right? Um, and, you know, so, so the fact that you thought about this and you took time to think about this and, you know, I think it's really interesting. It's like that you came to this point where like, I'm ready, this project is ready. Did you kind of have that idea in the back of your mind that you knew that it would happen when it was the right time or, you know, you go with your kind of gut feeling on this or? A lot of times when I transition from something, I do take a break or do some research around new projects. I mean, I, I could speak about that at length, but I, I don't think I need to. But for this particular one, as I got further along in July, because I'd said, July, I'm just going to do whatever. And I have been doing, I haven't been doing much, which is doing something, mm -hmm. you know, and then researching this. But really the impetus for me was going, there's such a, a dire need for connection with people. And even if it's just listening to this interview that you and I are doing right now with some, you know, cover script and a little bit of music, you know, just giving people an opportunity to maybe hear your voice that haven't heard your voice in months. You know, and I, I just felt like the time was, was really perfect to do this because it'll be not only giving back to the community, but allowing the community to have a discussion around it. I, I haven't made up my mind yet. I'm still slowly <laughs> uh, nursing my beard in the end of July, whether I'm going to produce a bunch of content in August and air it in September or start airing it first thing next week. The idea is, one, to you know bring joy to people in the community, two, to have them reconnect with people yeah. you know, that they haven't heard from in a while and get the community involved. Opening up with joy for people to you know, recommend other people that, I, that we could do interview with, or maybe you'd always wanted to do a podcast, or maybe you always wanted to help do this or that. I want to bring other people in. I want to expand the project as we do it. And that was exactly what I was going to ask you is, you know, what, what do you want to accomplish or what do you want to have? Right. How, do you, how do you want this to impact your community? You know? I'd like this to be something that becomes a community effort and I think for and I think it's maybe I'm just, I thought I hadn't had journalist is it's kind of a somewhat of a lonely profession. It's you, the pen, the audio, or you know whatever you're doing. And you know even for the podcast that I do or the radio that I do, there's just a lot of different dynamics to why you know you end up doing the whole show yourself. And in a way, like I said, my the 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 real nepotus of this your questioning was. I think I look this young because I, I, I love to connect with people, but at this point, I don't think I'm connecting with people enough. So I've really made a conscious decision, Asia, to say, I'm not doing any more solo projects. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not going to do any more, you know, without a roofs or the Chico vibe or, you know, I, I want to do something that, one, is community-facing, but two, gets the community involved. Yeah. So I'm really looking at, at, you know, the best ways to do that. Sure. And I wanted to ask you, too, before we wrap anything up, what what does joy mean to you? 
Well, joy to me, that's a w- wicked good question. You know, everyone maybe have a different definition, but for me, it kind of fit to the research I'm doing and something that Lucy Gould told me, one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, she said, you know, Bill, joy is just always kind of there waiting to pop out, and you just never know. So I, I think people can try to do things that make them happy, but joy is just something that just is a snap. It's just something that's instantaneous. It's something that surfaces. And to me, that's what joy is. Like when you had mentioned the the theater and how you connect with people, I'm kind of thinking back going, yeah, some of the plays I remember from years ago, I remember like one scene. So to me, that's got to be that one specific scene where I was just like, wow, <laughs> right? So to me, to me, actually, is joy is that spontaneity of being in, with the right place with the right people or doing the right things or whatever it is that just all of a sudden. My granddad came out when he was in his mid-80s. He lived in New Hampshire. And he was doing bad during the winters. So I said, well, bring him out to California. So he stayed all winter. And my, my kids loved it. And they were probably like five and eight, you know, somewhere around there. But he stayed in the bedroom with me. And I had my computer there. And we were listening to old-time radio, Red Skelton. That's what he used to listen to. And my kids and I and everyone were listening to it, and we were laughing at Red Skelton. But the, the, the crescendo for me, Asia, was while we were doing that, we were bouncing a balloon back and forth like this. And, of course, the kids are young enough, five and eight, that they're really having a good time. But here I am in my 40s and my granddad in his 80s. He was having so much fun. At one point, he had tears rolling down his cheeks. <laughs> he was having so much fun, you know, playing with that balloon while listening to Red Skelton. It's like him connecting with my generation, you know, his grandkids' generation while listening to what he listened to when he was a kid. You know, it's just kind of beautiful. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's beautiful. But I- I'm looking forward to it, you know. One thing I was going to do with these interviews is, is to get part of the community stuff together is, you know, is there anyone you'd recommend I interview next? Oh, um, yeah. Um, I think we might have talked about this a little bit before, but the Bidwells. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to describe their type of music. They're just amazing musicians and people. Like, that's how I'd describe them. Uh-huh. And they're playing during the pandemic. Yeah, they're doing lots of stuff during the pandemic. Every time I'm around them, I feel joy. Mm-hmm. They're just those kinds of... There's those, they are those kind of people. They have a beautiful relationship, and they're beautiful people, and they have beautiful smiles. And, you know, during the pandemic, they've been creative, and they've been, you know, trying to connect. And, you know, I tuned in one Wednesday when I had some time to listen to their live stream. And they have, like, a different theme each week. And, you know, do a lot some comments. And they interacted with people. And they were like, oh, Asia's here. And it was just wonderful. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend you reach out to them. Um, gosh, I know I know more people. Um, <laughs> Did you have any more questions? Because I have kind of a wrap-up question. And then we can kind of... You know, I think it'd be really cool if... At the end of the project, or however this manifests itself, if you kind of shared personally your kind of takeaway from the whole experience and the joy that it brought you doing this project, how cool would that be? Yeah, maybe that's kind of a continuing segment, that little snippet kind of going on how much joy I had, you know, putting this segment together. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that idea. I can commit to that. See, well, that's a oh, you don't have to sign it. You don't have to sign a contract sign anything. or anything. But. but No, it's a good idea. <laughs> it's so for the community people that might be listening and wanting to get involved, my creative spirit is is improv. I think oh. any, anytime someone p- tosses something out that spends some time and some energy to go, we should do this. And most of the times people bring something forward. They have some joy to it. Yeah. Well, you sh- we probably should do it. How are we going to do it? Yeah. So I can commit to folks that are thinking about getting involved. I want to know what, what passions you have and kind of get you plugged in. 
I figured a good ending question, though, would be um, what things would you recommend to folks that have been bringing you joy that people might hear it and go, that's a great idea. I want to do this. I'm going to try the same thing. Or, sure. gosh, I'm doing the same thing, too. <laughs> like coping mechanisms, right? Because that yeah, seems similar doing? sometimes. Cause... So, well, maybe I'll answer it because, uh, um, you know, every single time, and it tells me I'm not on my bike enough, but the last three times, and it just comes to me, like the joy thing, I, you know, I might be dealing with something, but I'll be on my bike and I'm going, I love riding my bike. <laughs> I just love riding my bike yes. through Chico. I just love it. So anytime I'm on my bike, you know, I had a, a, a quote I gave to Stephen Marquardt with Sunrise. I said, there's no such thing as wasted time on a bicycle. I love that. Isn't that a good one? Yes. There's no biking, such thing as wasted time on a bicycle. Biking is wonderful. Walking is wonderful. Yeah. You know, physical activity like that is wonderful. Me learning how to play ukulele is, is something that's brought me joy. Um, you know, taking this time during the pandemic to reconnect with people again it's not the same as in person but you know to send a message to a friend i haven't talked to in a while how are you are you safe how's your family how have you been um i actually recently reconnected with someone who i was very very close with during college and we, we haven't talked for a long time we had um a little bit of a, a big summer blowout, we like to call it. And reconnecting with her has been one of the most beautiful, wonderful things about this year for me and about this time during the pandemic. And I know that sound, that's horrible. It sounds horrible, but it's like, you know, this pandemic is happening and I can only do what I can to stop, you know, right. making things worse. So what can I do while I'm also practicing that safety to bring joy to my life and others around me. So reconnecting with her has been wonderful. So, you know, things like that. If there's people that you haven't talked to or, you know, you're wondering about, I mean, what, what's the worst that could happen, right? Yeah. How dare you care about me during this pandemic? Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, journaling. Oh my God, journaling. I mean, I'm a writer, so for some people that's a nightmare and they would hate doing it, but journaling, getting involved in meditation groups, digital ones where you kind of come together at the end and talk about it, you know, taking those moments to breathe and remind myself that I'm still here. <sighs> you know, I'm still here and I can do things to help make things not get worse, but also to help bring joy to others and to myself. And that's really powerful. You've succeeded here right now. It's oh, good. A lot of, a lot of fun. <laughs> Same here. Right. Thank you so much. That was Asia Shiraga, a journalist, singer, stage performer, and all-around joyous soul here on the special The Triumph, The Joy segment on KZFR 90.1 FM. Melissa Doherty from the Chico News and Review had this thumbnail on Asia's work before we air Asia performing with the singing Bidwell Streetside here on People Power Radio. I think if I was distilling Asia's reporting, I would first probably point out that she truly cares about the communities that she covers. And that is a noble quality in a reporter and definitely a great starting point for a story. If you go Problems are caused 
difficult to love, but I hope you'll still stay for you.
take it day by day. I wish we could hug you. I know. Hug you so bad. It came back. I'm so happy it came back. I mean, clearly, I didn't forget it. <laughs> you just came back. I think I messed up a couple times. <laughs> Yay! That was a great lead. That was a great lead, Asia. You said well, these these folks are wonderful and they're just full of joy. How much joy did this bring you? I mean, I had tears of joy in my eyes before they even started singing. Yeah. So, wow. I can't I can't even describe it. I'm over yeah. the moon. <laughs> Yeah, me too, because, you know, it's hard because this is just listeners only, but these folks, Samantha and uh, Ben with the Bidwells, they're full of joy the whole time they're doing that, you know? I, I was kidding. I was giving them that age-old sarcasm. I'm 60. It might be too old now, but I'm like, it's a it's a d dirty job, but somebody's got to do it, huh? If, if this sarcasm. is as dirty of a job as it gets, we'll we'll right. do it until, yeah. until they want to clean us up. All right, I'm looking forward to doing a long-form interview with you guys. Thanks again for all this. It was just wonderful. Thank yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Like Let's I try this. Move me to tears. Let's try this on the on the count of three. We'll all say the triumph of joy. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. The, the triumph of joy. Thank you for listening to the triumph of joy with your host Guillermo Mash. Brighten your day by visiting our homepage at the triumph of joy. Blog. If you have a show idea or you just want to contact us with comments, send them to thetriumphofjoy at gmail.com. Until the next time, joy to you and everyone around you.